Hey everyone, welcome to episode 48, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. Thanks as always for letting us hang out with you for a bit, and a special welcome to everyone that uh, found out this week that, hey, you're a priest and you're, uh, you're duly ordained by Andy McDonald. He said so, so it must be true. But before we begin, last week our episode was entitled, But If Not, that was with Yvette Saliba and Stephanie Johnson. We decided that uh, Yvette and Stephanie read their conclusion manifesto because it was the best way we could take to heart the right frame of mind when dealing with our but if nots. And if you haven't listened to the podcast episode 47 or watched that message, you can do both in the Hospital Church mobile app. Or if you're a little old school, check out the website, hospitalchurch.org, and you can check under archives. So Websites are old school now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, when you got the app, I mean, you know, it's right at your fingertips. So let's jump into the most recent message this past week, and it was April's installment of our Once a Month series, From the Heart, and this one was entitled Priesthood of All Believers. Some of you already knew that. I don't know about the rest of you, but I look forward to this series each and every month, and this uh, definitely did not disappoint. And um, <laughs> a couple things that jumped out at me that I wasn't expecting, and the first thing I thought of when Andy started, and if you haven't caught this message, you'll also want to check that out in the archives and the app. And the beginning just really had me laughing, um, and I thought to myself, Andy, what did you expect, really, about being asked to perform the blessing for meals with a title like full-time vocational minister? I mean, you know, that in itself lends itself right there to saying, hey, he's when our I, guy. When I got to lunch, they were all waiting at the table for me to have the <laughs> They're like, oh, because if you're going to fess up that you have a little, uh, yeah, we're going to make you do it anyway. Well, and the part that struck me, and this is memories from my childhood, you said the long pontificating preachy prayers, and I literally did laugh out loud during church, so my apologies to all of those that were sitting next to me this past week. But it reminded me of growing up in the Midwest where the LPPP was an elevated science, and you could get yourself totally to epic status if you could get up front. My best friend Jeff and I would kneel down for prayer after the elders came in from the sides of the platform. <laughs> they kneeled down in front of the microphone, and we would click start on our ever-popular Timex Iron Man watch. <laughs> no disrespect to the individual who shall remain anonymous, but the record was just shy of nine minutes. Oh, my land. <laughs> I confirmed this record via text message earlier today with Jeff, so I guessed I remembered. I'm not the Jeff, by the way. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no. I, I, nine uh, minutes. Nine minutes. I had guessed in my mind. Were the floors carpeted? or Yes, the floor okay. was carpeted. Okay. Uh, not, not, they didn't have kneelers in those, uh, yeah. but uh, the benches, if you're a... If you're the half kneeler with a little bit of butt on the pew yet, it was probably it was better. Um, I guessed it was eight. I remembered it being like eight forty eight, eight forty nine. He said it was just shy of nine minutes. So unconfirmed yeah. in text message, I felt good about just going with the nine minutes. But and the only part I can remember about that, and only through the use of logic, was the amen. So the status the of long awaited for. Yes, yes. <laughs> we finally got there. So the status of elder, pastor, full time vocational minister are all titles that in and of themselves don't add anything spiritually uplifting or positive on their own, right? right, right that's right. that's not the point. It's always about the heart for Jesus. So why did those of us without such cool titles and obvious prayerful gifts feel like we don't measure up sometimes or maybe that we should cede the honor to someone who does have those gifts and we're blessed? Where does that come from? I think, it's a, I think it is a hangover from um, priestly offices, uh, you know, that this person has this 
right to be in God's presence and mediate that to the lesser individuals kind of thing, which is just really sad. Um, but, you know, and, and you have that, of course, in the Old Testament, even in the Scripture, and you would think that Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray and, you know, telling them they should pray, you would, <laughs> you would think they would sort of get past that. But it's, I think it's a carryover. Um, I love the idea of uh, outsourcing our spiritual obligations to, <laughs> yeah. to others. And and that's really sort of oftentimes how the priesthood is seen is that, okay, I, I don't want to hear from God directly. I'd rather hear through somebody else who heard from God directly. It might be a little scary to hear from God. Yeah. And the, and the prayer that he taught the disciples actually was actually, it was actually quite short, simple, unless somebody's singing it, then they, they, they drag <laughs> it out. But, but, but it was a quite, it was a short prayer. I remember in church thinking, Oh, this guy's winding down his prayer. And then all of a sudden he'd break into the Lord's prayer. Mm-hmm. And I always used to complain to my mom, and my sister would always say, "Well, look at it this way: when she gets there, you know there's an ending." You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also it, it, we we call it the Lord's Prayer, uh, which is interesting enough which is, itself. But yeah. It's really the disciples' disciples' prayer, prayer. Yeah. because Jesus' yeah. prayer is more the John 17 <laughs> prayer, where he's really pleading with his Father and going through a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah. So my other question was, and I didn't. I don't know. I never really thought about it. But are there a lot of denominations that still actually? employ someone whose title is priest. I mean, Catholics, obviously, that's a no-brainer. But past that, I mean, are there – I mean, because I think part of it's tied to that word, and at least from a Catholic perspective, from me looking out from the outside in, yeah. you know, you've got – you still have the robes, you have the all the ornate and the, the procession and the, the – Well, it's interesting that even in Vatican II within the Catholic Church, uh, the Roman Catholic Church – there, there was a return to priesthood of all believers as, as a doctrine. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that each person can access God, but they in no way do want to diminish the vocational role of the professional priest. Okay, uh, so there was there were still roles for both, and they sort of wanted to recapture this um, this access to God thing a little bit. So, any other denominations that you know of that do well, the priests or well, is it, all, all well, your Orthodox I mean, Church does? Yeah, the Orthodox. Yeah. That would be the, and yeah. and then um, I think you you have similar roles within Episcopal, um, which it's it's not it's thought of a little differently. Of course, they have the right to marry, which is changes a little bit from the Roman Catholic Church, but it's still a role of priesthood. Priesthood, yeah. And and I think you see it um, today the influence of that from Latin America and Africa, especially where there's this a higher a higher reverence for the for the clergy um, and their role. Yeah, I didn't see it as much as as a. At least I wasn't taking it in terms as I read the New Testament, as that we need to stick with this terminology. Well, it's, yeah. it's really fascinating that we've chosen in much of the Protestant world to translate presbyteros uh, yeah. as pastor, pastor or elder or, yeah. or sure. you know uh, deacon I mean, even. I mean, I think it's all there. I, I agree. I, I don't think we're necessarily like well. You know, we look at those differently because probably in a lot of ways we look at our pastors just as much or the same way as a Catholic would look to their priest. Not nearly so nicely. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought it was interesting what you said just a minute ago about them trying to recapture that because one of the texts that we looked at was Hebrews 4.16 reminding us that Jesus is our high priest, which Mm -hmm. allows us to boldly go before God's throne. So if all that is true, why do we still have priests, pastors, and intermediaries within our own institutional structures after the cross? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think the, the role and function of spiritual gifts, when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and, and the Spirit gifts people differently. He gifts some for teaching, 
There's, there are people who can teach. Oh, my, I think about Madeline Haldeman, my, my Greek teacher at seminary. Mm-hmm. She, she was a gifted teacher. She could teach me Greek. She had to be gifted. <laughs> and, and, um, and she, but, but then other people that will stand up to try to teach you something, and you think, oh, my, this person should be doing something else because they're just not a teacher. And, and the Holy Spirit gifts people with teacher, gifts of teaching and preaching and evangelism and, and helps and service and like I said in the sermon, numerous gifts we don't even have listed probably as well. Lots of ways that the Holy Spirit can gift us. Those who have been gifted for vocational pastoral roles are just first among equals in role. There's, okay. no, there's no status with God. There's no elevated position that way. We're all Christians. We're all sinners. We're all saved by grace. We're all, all that's the same for everybody. I have the privilege as pastor of this church to get paid to do this full time. Yeah, but if I was a plumber instead of a pastor, I still would be a priest. I just wouldn't get to do it full time. I don't have a, I don't have some occupational status. It's just my role as a Christian to be a, a priesthood of all believers. Um, and I think the reason uh, a lot of times there's a confusion is because this role of pastor has changed quite a bit, at least in our culture here. Okay, but it hasn't it hasn't changed? In other words, you go to some other cultures. The, there's still a lot of this same thing that there's goes reverence on. almost the, the, for yeah the there's role. a reverence or uh, an esteemed uh look at how the, and and it has some of it has to do with not just the culture but how they're they're educated in mm-hmm. in those certain areas but but even Paul mentions it and it's interesting if you go to a King James version of the Bible as opposed to a newer version like a international or whatever Paul says he they use the word um we we think of the word as equipping um, and yet, if you go to the King James Version, Paul says, for the perfecting of the saints, which that was in King James' time, that was pretty much the role of the the pastor or the priest or the preacher who would basically, like Andy mentioned in his sermon, give them the word of God, and then they would all they would all be at a different level. And even the pulpits were, if you've gone to some of these old, yeah. older, uh, and even the Reformation, some of the Reformation churches. High pulpit. High pulpit. Yeah, way up there. So, yeah. But now we see this equipping. So I see a, more of a change towards that direction where there's an equipment. Of and, the, of, and also an understanding of, of Scripture that you just quoted, yeah. Jeff, where where the equipping of the saints or the perfecting of the saints, we think of that oftentimes in our American mind as the equipping of me and yeah. the perfecting of me. And whereas the really the scripture there in Ephesians is about the perfecting of the church. church. Nobody has a whole body. Uh, according, right. If the body of Christ is, is a, represented by a body, nobody's the whole body. We're all just we're an ear or an eye or a nose or a leg or a limb or a heart or a liver or something. Well, that, that seems to be the theme that wrapped it all together was that we're all just a piece of this so mm-hmm. that, like you said, that just because you're in full-time vocational ministry doesn't mean that somehow the connection is better or worse or right. you know, secretive and <laughs> I'll let you in. No, I know the secret handshake. Yeah. But you read a quote from The Desire of Ages that stated something – I don't know if I ever personally heard it or maybe just never heard it in my heart the same <laughs> way. But the quote was that Jesus was doing God's service just as much when laboring at the carpenter's bench – as when working miracles for the multitude, and that's a given. What we've just what we've just said mm-hmm. that's a tough one to wrap your mind around because how can it be that you know a third of the Godhead that created all that was and is, adding the miracles he performed while living here as a human in this world, that none of that was more important in the service of God than when he was an unknown carpenter, like to anyone really? I yeah, mean, how, and, how do we? 
And what you, do we do with that? If you, if you measure, if, if he moved into in, an apprenticeship in the carpenter shop at, at 12, 13, 14 years old, mm-hmm. and he did his ministry at you know, 27, 28, 30 years old, right. I, he's, in, he's in the carpenter shop like a long, long time. time. Yeah, that's true. And, and doing much more of that years by years by years than his public ministry. And, and so I th- what it really should say to us is how we ought to value each other in the body of Christ. Instead of, instead of discounting, oh, I'm just a lay person, I'm just this, or I'm, no, 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 you are a priest of God in that role. And, and I was talking to somebody after service, uh, and it reminded me of talking with uh, um, Tuong uh, Pao, who is at MIT, uh, and working between MIT and Harvard, Harvard. on a PhD, MD, uh, <laughs> ouch, <laughs> immigrant from from uh, from Burma, Burma. Yeah. and and this this kid said to me, he said, I feel it's my obligation to take the scholarship that I have been offered to MIT on his for when he's doing his undergraduate work because I will have a chance to rub shoulders and do missionary work with a group of people that no one else will. Yeah. And yeah. so we we don't we don't think about that because we're not going to MIT. <laughs> but, nope. But the reality is is every person within the body of Christ has a circle of influence different from every other body. Yeah. And so every part's needed to reach the reach out for the kingdom of God in their circle of influence. People that I mean you know people through your work and career and life and neighborhood that I I never will have a chance to know. Yeah. And so here's the here's a body of people that you have an opportunity to do priestly work with that uh, that is a real privilege and an honor and, and when we see ourselves in that role uh talking to a per- talking to one of our younger people after church they were like I never I always thought if you were going to be a missionary you had to like quit your job and go to a foreign yeah. country or something and and if what you said is really true today he said that then I've got to wrestle through how am I a priest in my workplace with a bunch of secular people, and he was—I mean—he was really struggling to, yeah. to sort of think about this new window of understanding. It was great. Yeah, back when we were young, I mean, mission spotlight. You yeah. know, I mean, that came to you every what every quarter or something <laughs> when they were, and it was always someone in a far off land. You I know? always thought it'd be fun to be a return missionary. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I wanted yeah, to be the missionary, be the missionary there, there. But, but being a return missionary sounded like a pretty good gig. Well, there were so many, so many different ways, and I've got a pile of notes that we're not even going to come close to getting to. But one of the things I thought was probably the most interesting was there was the uh, was it the anthropologists I believe in the the study that in every religion and every culture they share at least two characteristics. <laughs> people create religious rituals to ceremonialize their devotion and people create a religious hierarchy to outsource their religious obligations. <laughs> Meaning that yeah. the default mode of culture our human default mode is towards ceremony and hierarchy not devotion and ministry engagement. And the more I read that the more the conclusion that I came to was scarier and scarier for us as Christians because you talked about, are we coming to church to be a consumer? Are we coming to be a helper? Are we coming to be a volunteer, an engager? And that really affects not only what we're going to take out of it, but it's also going to affect those around us. And then as we go back to those places, like you just said, you know, go back home, you go to where you work, you do all your daily things. It's going to affect how we are as that priest role, or how we fulfill that priest right. role. And if we've created a hierarchy to outsource our, our spiritual obligations, 
it frees us from any obligation to be spiritual with the people of our world. I don't, I don't have to worry about my circle of influence because I've outsourced that to the pastor or the priest, the, you know, the, the <laughs> right. bishop, the clergy, somebody. And they're doing some really good stuff over there <laughs> yeah. at that church. <laughs> yeah, you should go there. You know, and, and as opposed to saying, wait a second, no, this is, this is who I am, and this is part of my responsibility. I can't outsource this. Yeah. Well, I absolutely love the fact that people wrestled with it. I know afterwards um, I had to leave a little bit early, but through it, I'm just like, wow, that's a that's a load. That's something you have to consider. And if you're really going to say I'm a Christ follower, then you got to wrestle with it. You can't just leave it there and go, well, Andy and Jeff will take care of it. And yeah. I think that I think that's the that's the best part of it is the wrestling. Yeah, because when when somebody you know when Andy gets up, you know we can get information. Information flies around us. I mean, we can get it anywhere now. Yeah, and so we we don't have to look at uh, the pastor as being our information source. We can always find it somewhere else. But anyway, the idea is that we need to think about this in terms of. I need a leader in this area, but I also need somebody that can that I can look to and say, "Hey, he's validating who I am and what I am, what I'm doing, what I'm trying to accomplish in my, my ministry." And I, I would I want to encourage those that are listening to the podcast. If you missed the thing, you know, go to the website, old school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and there's a copy of the manuscript there. There's a section of the sermon about how you come to church, whether you come as an owner, whether you come as a cons- consumer, a, a consumer, or come as a yeah. customer, come as a yeah, and I think that's a piece that really behooves us to kind of give a little consideration to. All right. As we quickly run out of time, one of our FHC takeaways from this last week asked a question, how do you feel about being God's holy priests? And that was taken from 1 Peter 2.5. This reminder is always timely, even if it's something that we're already aware of. But I was introduced to multiple people the past couple of weeks, just total chance meetings, and their members here at Florida Hospital Church had no idea and they said, you sound familiar. It seems like I know you somehow. Oh, your name is Randy. Well, you wouldn't be the Randy of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, would you? Uh, well, sure. And the following conversations were extremely humbling with their appreciation for just their Wednesday podcast experience for uh, for Jeff and for Andy and for Tom behind the scenes and, and for what we do and try to you know just bridge that gap between church each week. So just think of that the next time you're at your job, no matter what it is, whether it's like Andy said, whether you're a plumber, you mow grass, whatever it is you do, that you're making an impact on someone and you just may never know who that is. I'd love to hear about how you feel about that reminder of your holy priesthood. You can share those, of course, in the FHC mobile app. Go to the media tab and hit podcast. And right there, you can use the text and email share buttons. And finally, Andy's closing statement really wrapped it up about as well as you could. And it said... And among us, remember that this great doctrine isn't so much about being one's own priest, but that we can be priests to one another. And the world will know that we are followers of Jesus because of the love we have for one another. How cool would that be if that actually came to fruition and people said, hey, we know who you are because of your love. Next week upcoming, it will be Andy. You can check out the mobile app for more details on that. So until next Wednesday in episode 49, this is Randy for Andy, Jeff, and Tom saying thanks for joining us, and we will see you then.